I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. that knows if you have vomit on your sweater already from your mom's spaghetti, your mom is probably not a very good cook. Spaghetti isn't that hard to make and she shouldn't be making you sick. I'm Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me as always is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, a man some have called the Kaiser Soze of Michigan podcasting. How are you, my friend? You know, I tend to go home once I vomit on myself, kind of a rule of thumb, way I live by at this point in my life. Girlfriend's very appreciative of it as well, you know. It's like, once you're, once you're yakking all over yourself, it's time to leave, you know, maybe sit the next couple plays out. Call it a night, but yeah, not me. I yak, maybe I go do a, a rap battle in East Detroit, maybe I go do some karaoke. You never know where the night will take you. It's not over. <laughs> Have to start tonight with, uh, on a solemn note, and our hearts, thoughts, prayers go out to the community of East Lansing, Michigan State University for the loss of life that occurred there last night on February 13th. When something like this happens, it really makes you take a step back, and we trade barbs with our rivals down in East Lansing, but when it comes down to a human level, that is, it's just sports, and this is so much more important. We know how tough you guys are. We know how strong you are there. They make them strong in Michigan. Y'all get through it, and our thoughts, prayers are with you, and I just wish this didn't have to continue happening. Shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be afraid of going to school, and uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Yeah, very difficult situation to touch on, but we felt like we needed to because it's impacting the community and a lot of people on both sides of it. But uh, just to everybody in East Lansing, we're all wearing green and white for the next several months here. We're all in this together, like sports aside, it's just very silly and fun to have. And it's like when serious things like this, it's good to know everybody can band together. We want you to know you're not alone. We're here for you. All right, let's do some quick hits here. Uh, You want to start off with hockey? Oh, man, like what a fun weekend it was. Michigan extended their winning streak to seven games, including a victory in the duel in the D. Michigan has now swept Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and has the split with Minnesota in a month span. The team, the hottest team in the country right now, up to number four, have Ohio State on the dock this coming weekend. They have a game at Cleveland Stadium, the Outdoor Classic. So that's very exciting to look forward to. Michigan's rolling, man. They're poised to make the NCAA tournament no matter what happens. They could literally lose out and still make the tournament, but they're in firm position for a one seed right now. So all roads are leading to a clash with Minnesota again in the Big Ten tournament, which will be massive. And then the NCAA tournament. And some teams just kind of go ahead and start peeking at, keeping your eye on. Look out for Quinnipiac. Look out for Denver again. St. Cloud State's lurking. 
Uh, BU, who we played earlier this year and split 1-1 with, is another team to watch. And then the Big Ten teams, you already know, the Minnesotas, the Penn States, the Ohio States. Those are all going to be in the mix as the season wraps up and winds down here, headed towards the Frozen Four. So I'm excited, man. You finally got to tune in and catch some action. You saw the Luke Hughes game winner. You saw the Adam Fantilli fight the night before. And uh, not taking any barbs at Michigan State, but boy, it always feels good to beat a rival. Always good to beat a rival. There was a lot of chippiness on the ice in both games that I watched. Brandon Narato, man, I, I just I don't know that much about what it takes to be a collegiate hockey coach, but that guy seems to have it. And count me as a fan, just the way he handles himself. Team seems to respond, and the current winning streak would suggest to me that maybe you should pull the interim the interim label off of him. God, you think like you just you've got gotten into hockey like in the middle of this season. You can already see it like you see the way they respond. You see the passion he brings, the way he empowers his players. Like I didn't even mention in the second game of the series last weekend, had to do it without Adam Fantilli, who was suspended for fighting. So you're without your best player. You're without Seamus Casey and Jacob Trescott, two of your starting four rotational defensemen. They still got the win. Like nothing is slowing this team down. Frankie Nazar debuted this week and got a goal in the second game. So that was his first appearance on the year been dealing with a lower body injury had surgery right before he came to Ann Arbor so that was cool but no matter who's in the lineup Naruto is finding a way to exploit weaknesses maximize the players and it's honestly an insult that he's still the interim head coach also helps that every time you skate out onto the ice you likely have the best player and in my opinion that is Luke Hughes watching Luke Hughes it just looks like he's playing at a different speed than everyone else on the ice the way that the puck flies off of his stick it just looks like it's at a different velocity. And this is coming from a guy that's not a hockey expert like that. That's you. I'm just like trying to tune in and keep up. But Luke Hughes just seems to be at a different level. It's Adam Fantilli is the best player on the ice, no matter where he is in college hockey. And Luke Hughes is right there with him. Like what he's done this last couple of games and how timely he's been with his goals, like the four goals he scored in the comeback against Penn State, the OT walk-off game winner. Are you kidding me? In hockey? Like, that's what you wanted to see from him in his sophomore year. He's been fantastic. Fantilli's been fantastic. And even when they go to overtime, these three-on-three games, you're rolling out normally combinations of Fantilli, Brindley, and then you have a defenseman like Luke Hughes who can skate and score and defend like him. It almost feels unfair at times. It's just an insane amount of talent and really fun to watch. Like if you're not tuning yeah. into these Michigan hockey games, I do highly recommend it. Like it, it takes a minute to get into it, but it's progressed so, so much further than it was in like the nineties, early two thousands to watch hockey. This is like a lame hockey opinion, but like it wasn't that great to watch it because you couldn't tell, you couldn't follow the action as well, but with high definition televisions and just the quality of the broadcasts, like it's got to be one of the most exciting sports to watch. And as these games become more meaningful, I think you're just going to see really tight three to three, three to four games in like late periods. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So highly recommend tuning in if you can. Yeah, you and I got to go to a game this year, and that completely changes your perception on it. Like when you watch it in person, you're like, oh, this is this is incredible. And there's a my, one of my favorite tweets. It's archived somewhere. It said uh, the NHL playoffs, and I also equate it to college hockey. It's like, uh, you know, riding a motorcycle out of a helicopter while it's on fire. Like that's the excitement level at times because of the pressure and the stress. And man, it's it's the best. Perfect time to get into it. 
100%, man. Let's switch over to something a little less exciting, and that's Michigan basketball. Fell to IU mm. in a game that's probably just a microcosm of the entire season. It's certainly a microcosm of all the late-game struggles that we had. What happened in the last five minutes against the IU could not buy a bucket. It looked disorganized. Juwan Howard kind of calling out his players for freelancing on the last play. It's just a lot of bad. Um, Terrence Williams being a part of the closing unit despite being the only player with a negative plus minus on the box score up to that point. I think he was like negative eight when he went in, jumped all the way to negative 11 as soon as he turned it over. Just nothing has changed. Nothing has evolved. And the same struggles still haunt this team. And listen back to the podcast with you, me and Kellen trying to find some optimism. And it's just getting so much harder when nothing's improved late in these close games. Held up a piece of paper to Jared that just said, I hate it here because that's how I feel. This game was exactly, it was the epitome of what the season was. It's like Michigan is playing well, it's back and forth, and then you can't score one damn point with 512 to go. Like you could punt it up there and get lucky with something. Like just have Jed Howard pull it from 30 every time. I guarantee he hits one. Like it makes no sense. I thought it was very distasteful of Jawan to throw the team under the bus like that. Like you're the head coach, call a timeout, make a substitution. Don't play Terrence Williams down the stretch since he's negative 11 on the game. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Think of something. Like, it makes no sense to me why this is what it's come to. And there's been no change. Like, anytime you think they're getting momentum, they just revert back to who they always have been this season. And it's so weird because Jet Howard ends up putting up the contested three as like the final shot of the game. But before that, they were moving the ball around and he passed up an open three. So, like, Jet Howard's supposed to be the guy, but doesn't quite have that internal clock that tells you like, Hey, now's the time for me to shine. And you know, he's a freshman. I get that. And Jawan Howard has just failed to put these kids in the best position. I am being critical of him now, especially after that game, I was really trying to hold off criticism of him, but it hasn't improved. It hasn't improved in these close games. And you could have had any one of them take your pick, the North Carolina game, the Indiana game, any one of them, but he just, he and this team do not seem to have that dog in them late in the game. And as much as I love Jed Howard, I don't think he has that dog in him quite yet to be like, I'm taking over late in the games. Cause that might be our best bet. Yeah. I wonder if he's empowered to do so. Cause this team is like, it's, it's very hard to put your thumb on it because like a lot of people have gotten better this season. Cheddar's gotten better. Joey Baker's really rounded into form. Bufkin's gotten a hell of a lot better. Doug, Doug's still a little up and down, but he has good moments. Uh, Jet's gotten better. It's like, are they in power? Are they too into their sets? I don't know what the disconnect is there. That's why at this point when I see the players improving and they're still just same rotation, closing the uh, closing games out, same lineups, I put a lot more on the coaching now because like we gave them that runway at the beginning of the year because the players, I mean, really weren't playing that well. But now they're playing better. And it's like, all right, now something's got to give here. And I just did not like the way he handled himself in the press conference. Just seemed like, well, I'm, I'm, what do you want me to do? It's like, I want you to coach the team. That's what I want you to do. I want you to take control because it just seemed like he had no idea what he was doing or how to regain it. And it's like, you, it makes me question if he is the right person in that role. Granted, I'm not going to call for his head until after another season, but it does make me concerned. Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of insane not to be concerned at this point. I mean, granted, there's a lot of other teams out there having bad years, but combine this with the underwhelming regular season last year, there's starting to be some negative check marks here against Jawan Howard. And a lot of this is going to come down to next year, but 
all these remaining games are still opportunities, opportunities mm-hmm. to prove that the team is growing. Um, it, you know, we've mentioned a million times. That's a young team. Doug McDaniels running the show out there. Jet Howard's your second most important player. Kobe Bufkin's just a sophomore. But that excuse is wearing thin. It really is. I mean, you see a lot of other teams with freshmen out there go out and, and find a way to put it together or some combination of freshmen and, and upperclassmen. And it's just not it's not really clicking this year. And yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm with you as well, where it's hard not to be critical of the coaching, especially with the way that he handled himself after that. And the last couple of games, we've got a game tonight against Wisconsin, chance to to rebound um, and and to get back into the winning ways. But it's going to be really hard to make the tournament still. I think that was the game that we all had circled when we did our breakdown. Like, hey, win this one and you got a real chance. Now you pretty much got to win out. Yeah, I always put like the the loss number right around like 13. Like you have to have some really good wins if you're going to have 13 losses. And Michigan right now is at 11. So, I mean, they need to get the Indiana win. They need to get the Michigan State win. Really like load up on the quad one because they've squandered so many opportunities this season. You look at North Carolina, you look at Virginia, you look at Kentucky, like a lot of chances for this team. You look at Indiana last week, like they could have done it. And now you have to go on the road to Wisconsin tonight. You have to go at IU. So it looks just very, very daunting. Then you have to just have your fingers crossed for, hey, maybe we can win the Big Ten tournament. I have zero faith that can happen. So it's going to be awesome being a three seed in the NIT. Yeah, unless Purdue just decides to not show up, I don't think there's any way we're getting through Purdue. We just don't have the – I mean, we played them well, but we've played everybody well. So yeah. at least at least the, the better opponents that we've had. So it's frustrating, but maybe this time next week we'll come back and uh, they'll have reeled us back in Godfather 3 style. But right now I'm pretty out, pretty out on it and excited to move over to football and, and do this uh, exercise that we have tonight if you're ready, sir. Oh, oh, Jared, I am. You and I have been talking about this all weekend. Like, so um, it's been going around in the Twitter sphere. Like you see blue by 90 guys doing, you see a lot of Michigan outlets doing the Harbaugh era players, making their lists, their rankings positionally all over it. And you and I want to, you know, we want to have a little fun too. It's the off season. We love football. So we thought we'd do what we do best and we would draft up the the Harbaugh era Michigan players. Exactly. And not to take shots at anybody, but we've been doing this long before all those guys. We do this every <laughs> year, man. Like we, this is our jam. So you think that just because all the other sites and everybody on Twitter is doing best of the hardball era, we're going to sit it out. We are not. But you came up with a really good format to kind of differentiate, change it up a little bit. So you don't want to walk through the rules of this draft. Yes, so we're going to draft players, and not just players, players from a specific year. So it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to draft 2018 Karan Higdon, or I'm going to draft 2022 Blake Corum. And the rule is you can only draft the player one time, so you couldn't do like 2021 Blake Corum and 2022 Blake Corum, because that's just going to get too confusing, especially in the podcast format. We want to talk about a lot of players here. So we only take one player in that specific year. We're going to draft offense tonight. We're going to do two quarterbacks, three running backs, five receivers, three tight ends, and seven linemen. So your traditional starting five, and then you can have two extra so we can make sure we talk about plenty of people on this podcast. Yeah, really, the point of the exercise is to kind of talk about everybody and the depth and and to look a little bit deeper at the roster um, 
you know, pick our favorites, obviously, and some of the best, but then look at the depth as well. So I think this will be a good way to get that conversation going. Uh, I was pushing for like an aggressive two hour in depth, all in one draft. You can take players from any year. I mean, I was pushing for it. Andy, probably in the, in the right move, talked me out of it. So we're going to split it up, go offense and defense. Cause I mean, the pod that we were, that I was suggesting was going to be a beast. It's going to be like four hours of material. Jared was like, I got, I got 17 Khalid Hudson just on the hip right now. I'm like, Jared, Jared, bring it down. I bring it down. But I, I love the excitement. And one of the cool things we can do at the end of this is look at the years, like what year dominated, what's like, where are all the players stacking up and then looking at like cohesively. So it's just going to be a, a really cool way to look at the Harbaugh era uh, offensively and defensively, just with fresh eyes to really get some perspective because as you were doing, you're just impressive deep dive on this you like brought up key points like i forgot about this or this player and it's like we really want to make sure we don't just like live in the 2022 moment we reach back into the 2015 bag and give certain players some love which was a fun year as was 2016 and recency bias we just did an entire podcast on it it's difficult to avoid so you got to kind of make an effort to dig back so i'm excited to do that tonight sir um do you want first pick we should probably flip for this one huh it's, I think we should flip, and then whoever doesn't get it gets first pick for the that's, defensive draft. That's how I saw it as well. All right, sir, I have a coin here. Would you like to call it an air? I'll call it the air. Here we go. Tails. That is heads. Your pick, sir. All right. I didn't know if I wanted first pick on offense or on defense, but uh, first pick on offense, I, I'm, I'm already ready to go, baby. I'm taking J.J. McCarthy, 2022, I believe the best quarterback season under Jim Harbaugh. You could look at another couple guys at what well, one other, I think, would be a reasonable <laughs> argument. And then I think it drops off here. So in these types of drafts, you're looking for drop offs. Uh, I value winning. I value the fact that he contributed to two wins against Ohio State, was still pretty active in his freshman season. But last season, consistency, completion percentage, gamesmanship, like being big in the biggest games. Um, If you want to knock him for the TCU performance, you can, I suppose. I'm not going to here. Um, Weird game. And, uh, you know, they threw some different stuff at him. But just the totality of the J.J. McCarthy year. Nobody else brings the combination of accuracy and athleticism. Gets out of the pocket. You all know who J.J. McCarthy is. That's our quarterback. I'm taking him. Number one. I love this. Number one on my big board as well. Like he was just locked in. I mean, it's the most important position. It's the guy you want two and zero against rivals as a starter, undefeated in the regular season, Big Ten champion as a starter. Like we couldn't say enough good things about McCarthy on this one. All right, second pick. This is. I want to make sure I throw enough curveballs at you just to keep you on your toes for this. So I looked around, like I've been weighing the depth of everybody. Like you always look at drop offs and where like you're going to lose value and gain value. The most important thing is, you know, you want to have fun with this. So second pick of our Harbaugh era offensive draft, the home team selects Nico Suave Collins, 2019 number two. Whoa, we have a giant upset. Are you, who are you, me drafting over there? Just trying to have fun going for a guy that uh, not at all American, but probably the best wide receiver. That's a really good pick. Uh, you want to go a little deeper on Nico Collins? No, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, man, 2019 Nico Collins, like it really passed the eye test. So when I went back and I was like doing my research, I was watching games 
and he just jumps out to you. And there's a couple other guys that, that do as well, but nobody popped like he did. The way he could take over games, like the big-bodied receiver. Like I feel like he never really even reached his ceiling at Michigan, which I thought would have been the 2020 season. But the I mean, COVID obviously threw a wrench into those plans. But 2019, Nico Collins was so impressive to me. Like wasn't even the leader, leading receiver on the team. Had seven touchdowns. Just could like I said, take over games. And like my favorite thing about him is one of your favorites as well. Is he's a 50-50 guy. You put that ball near him in the vicinity, he's going to catch the football. And like, no matter what you think about Patterson, like he brought in a lot of balls. He had no business doing it. And it's a void that Michigan has still yet to be able to fill since 2019. Really good pick. Not where I thought you would go in a, by a long stretch. I thought this would be a me pick early on getting Nico <laughs> Collins. In particular, because he doesn't have the most rece- uh, reception yards of a hardball error wide receiver. Nope. Doesn't even have the most touchdowns. But this nope. is an eye test. This is an yep. eye test pick. And you and I fully agree he was the best, most dominant wide receiver at Michigan. Probably underutilized, but once they realized what they had with him, he was just unstoppable. He was a Big Ten leading 19.7 yards per catch and 2019 he was a deep play threat he was certainly a 50 50 in the end zone threat and you put him with jj mccarthy right now i I don't think the numbers look even close to that so he is my best wide receiver of the hardball era i had him number one as well that's a really good pick uh just very surprised with some of the people you passed over i am going to go with a bullet ben bredesen with my second pick uh give me a go go ahead and give me an all-american at guard only one we've had i'm gonna go ahead and grab that here at number two I mean, you can't go wrong with that. We should also say there is a rule like we can't go back-to-back position groups. So you couldn't go two quarterbacks in a row. I couldn't go two running backs in a row. So just to keep it fresh, there's no runs. Ben Bredesen, I mean, home run pick. Like you and I, when we were doing, uh, looking back at the 2017 team, we're like, oh, look at this person. Look at this. And it was like, oh, look at Ben Bredesen here. So uh, what year are you going with Bredesen? You go in 20, what is it, 18 or 17? 19. I'm taking him the All-American year, which is 2019, but worth stating that I have all of these years graded out. Uh, You did the same thing. I have Ben Bredesen as the two highest graded seasons from a guard. Both come from Ben Bredesen, 19 being number one, 18 being my second highest graded. So the best guard of the Harbaugh era with a bullet. Yeah, I no excellent pick. Like I was just blown away at his like how many starts he had, just the durability, the consistency, the way he played. No, that that's an excellent pick. Okay, you're coming back to me. I am going to go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm going to go John Runyon Jr. at tackle. 
I think he is the best. I think he's the best left tackle of the Harbaugh era. I'm going 2018 Runyon. I'm, I think that he was better in that season. He was first team all Big Ten. He had the revolving door uh, game of awfulness, as you and I often refer to, against Notre Dame. And you and I were very critical. We did a live reaction pod after that game. And he just made us eat our hats afterwards. Like he was dominant. Stonewalled people was one of the unsung like anchors of the revenge tour. And so you just look back at the numbers and you're like, oh, Runyon's just a brick wall. Got it. Love this pick. Uh, probably the player that we have changed our tune on the most uh, from where he came out as to where we are now. Like now he's in hollowed ground. Like this is our guy. I think he is the best left tackle of the Jim Harbaugh era. I had him number one on my board as well. Great position to go with as well. If you want to solidify your offensive line, make sure you get a real, real player out there to protect your blind side. You could do a lot worse than John Runyon Jr. That's an awesome pick. Um, little surprised uh didn't want to go Juwan Bushel Beatty but you know that's a decision it's a choice <laughs> I mean I was looking at Chuck Filiaga I had those minutes to wait Nolan Elizio was floating around uh, all right so now you get into some interesting territories here we, we we're big on drop-offs where is there a huge drop-off and this isn't a monster drop-off but I'm going to take the only Remington award winner that also is a Joe Moore award winner baby give me Olu Olu with Timmy Center 2022 with my fourth with the fourth pick and my we can't go offensive line back to back though oh you can't even go anywhere nope. on the offensive line nope. i have it split up like center tackle oh okay because no remember that one year i went like guard tackle center and then i had everybody good and it was just, it wasn't as fun okay no no problem i have a backup plan for that as well go ahead and give me 2016 jake butt nice yeah, yeah. Another, I mean, the drop off here, this is one that we had listed as huge drop off in years past. I got to say, the gap is closing a little bit on this. Yeah, I was surprised too when I was looking back because, like, uh, I had butt number one on my board, but I was looking at the other tight ends. I'm like, I like a, a lot of tight ends in this era. Like, there is a drop, but it's like you could go several positions down. It's like, Okay, okay, okay. And it's really picked up, honestly, in the last two years. But let's not forget what Jake Butt was. I mean, a two-time Mackey Award winner, All-American, two-time All-American, as he corrected us on our podcast with him. Yes, he did. And he was right to do so. Don't want to undersell this man with how good he was. He was the best tight end of the Big Ten for like an entire three-year stretch almost definitely for two years and want them on my team but yeah this gap is closing Michigan tight end production really really starting to ramp up all right so coming back to me Jake but excellent pick and right now it's just like I think we're doing a good job of picking the best players at their position and just kind of going up and down so I'm going to continue that trend I'm going to take the best running back of the Harbaugh I'm going to take 2022 Blake Corum that was who I was deciding uh, between him or Jake, but that is the best running back season. Again, like the the discrepancy isn't as big as you might think, but this is no. the best running back season and would have been with a bullet had he have been able to stay healthy. Can't knock him for that. The numbers speak for themselves. I've got them right here. So you're going, to, I'm assuming 2022 yeah. most. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I assume. I mean, he was really good uh, in 2021 as well, but unanimous All-American, 1,400 yards. He's number eight in the single season for uh, Michigan history, 18 touchdowns. That's third in a single season by a Michigan running back. Yeah, what are we doing here? Great. <laughs> And it's like said, like you could like it's a lot closer than you think, but it's like when you look at it, it's like come on, you remember how important Corum was? It's still eleven season, like eleven games. It's not like twenty twenty one Ronnie Bell when he got hurt game one. You may have uh, looked over True Wilson there, but you know I understand gamesmanship. All right, Kurt uh, Taylor, hard work's undefeated. Yeah, uh, and it Kurt Taylor. <laughs> 
Trans- transferring's undefeated. <laughs> uh, taking shots here for no reason. Strays <laughs> to Kurt Taylor. Uh, go ahead and give me uh, 20, uh, 22 Olu Olu with Timmy, please. Uh, I'm going to stick with that pick as well. Remington Award winner. Joe Moore Award winner. Um, just a better center than Cesar Ruiz over and all. And I, I like Cesar Ruiz a lot. Or whoever you have number two. I think there's a gap here. So I'm going to take Olu. That's the right pick. I think Olu's number one. Again, like when you think about it at first, you kind of forget Olu just because it was so recent at times. Like it's all, it's Cesar Ruiz. It's like, no, it's the Remington. It's the Outland winner. Best interior lineman on either side of the ball. Like, and again, I think one thing that needs to be weighted in this, because we've had two guys come from before the last two years, the Joe Moore award wins mean a lot to me. So it's like, I mean, that means a lot. So when you look at other guys, well, they're good individually. It's like, this the last two years they won the Joe Moore Award. So if I'm gonna like get banged for my buck, I'm gonna pick guys off this list. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we value winning a lot here, so I kind of figured that would go into play. So I wanted to scoop him up. Who you got, sir? Okay, I'm coming back to mine. Uh, I think I'm going to go. Um, often a a very overlooked season. It was one of my favorites. And you and I were talking about the 2015 year uh, earlier. I'm going to go with uh, J.U. Chesson is my number two receiver from 2015. That year, he uh, the leading receiver, 764 yards, nine touchdowns, had that monster game against Indiana. He really had a connection with Jake Rudock that I think was kind of like it was his connection was lessened with Wilton Spate. So Darvo kind of took over in 16. But 2015, J.U. Chesson, especially returning kicks as well, was a problem for opponents. Really good pick and someone that for sure gets forgotten about. I just did my 2015 watch through and he pops. He pops in, in a way that you're like, oh, not only is he really good on this team, that guy looks like an NFL player. I thought he was going to be because he had the speed. He could make contested catches, just a solid receiver. And I think if you put him on the team right now, I mean, would you take him or Cornelius Johnson? I mean, stats aside, just eye test. Chesson. I test. It's 100% Chesson. He was more sure-handed. He was uh, a little more explosive at times. And I think the biggest thing he brought was consistency, especially in 15. I agree with you. Yeah, I like Chesson a lot. I am. I had him high on my board. I did not have him second, though. So this is the first time that we differ uh, on our big boards there. Uh, I better go ahead and get a running back. Can't let you run away now that uh, you picked somebody else. So I'm going to go ahead and take 2021 Hassan Haskins. Please go ahead and give me arguably the greatest game against our chief rival ever. Uh, you know, maybe second, but I'll still take second all time. 1300 yards program season record 20 touchdowns. I'm just getting that here. Feel pretty good about that. Give me Hassan, baby. No, great value. He was number two on my board. Hassan Haskins brought so much to this team, man. Really the heart and bringing everything back around. Like, uh, I can't say enough good things about him. I'll I'll get like emotional about Hassan Haskins. I have his Detroit free press cover behind me framed. Uh, It's just, no, it's a great pick. That season meant so much. His toughness, his durability, just everything he brought was fantastic. Okay, coming back to me. uh, I'm going back to my line here. I am going to go. Hmm, I'm going to go uh, my top guard on my list. I'm going to go 2022 Zach Zinter. That cannot be the top guard on your list. Yeah, it's above on Winu in 2019. He was better. The top remaining. Oh, yeah. Top Ben Bredesen was number one. You, you took Ben Bredesen. I was just going to make sure. I'm like, that's your number one on your big board. But great. Pick. No, that is a great pickup. Yeah. I was like, come on, yeah, it's it's Zach Zenter in 2022. Like, I I weighed my options here with Anwenu. Uh, You took the top guy in Bredesen. 
Uh, but Zenterman, like he he could be up and down this season, but he's been a key cog on two straight Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines against Penn State. It was just teach tape. He was dominating two defenders almost every play. You look at the combo blocks he had with Olu Oluwatimi against Ohio State. Like at times, like Zach Center was not only like the best lineman on the field, he was like, a lot of times the best player on the field. So that's saying something being a part of that offensive line. I'm a huge Zenter guy, and the guard depth, like for how good our offensive lines have been. It gets a little bit sparse. So getting Zach Zinter here, I totally get that. You want somebody that you can really rely on. Put him at left, put him at right. Doesn't matter. He's going to be awesome. That's a really good pickup. Um, all right. I can't let you run away with the wide receivers here. So I better grab one before things start to fall off. I'm going to take 2018 Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, eight touchdowns that year, actually. Uh, really impressive. Very electric with the ball in his hand. You get the punt returning aspect. You get some dog in him. Certainly had that. A uh, lot of fun to watch. I mean, I... I take Nico Collins above Donovan Peoples-Jones, but it's not a massive gap. And I actually had DPJ's season above Chesson slightly, but I, I see why you valid, valued Chesson as well. Yeah, DPJ was third on mine, just underneath Chesson. Uh, excellent season. I mean, uh, you and I got to watch uh, the Nebraska game when he had the most unnecessary spin move of all time on the punt Delightful. return. For no reason. Um, but I think the biggest moment for uh, Peoples-Jones that season and why he's so high on your list is the Michigan State game. He blew it open. The John Run the John uh, Paul Bunyan pose is – I almost said John Runyon pose. We should make the John Runyon pose. <laughs> Just looks like me hungry before a meal. Um, but <laughs> – the Paul Bunyan pose. I mean, that's a moment now that's just kind of like in Michigan lore. So uh, electric player, electric. I think probably the most electric player, like from Peppers to him and then to like Corum now, as far as electricity, if I'm on that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would I would agree with that list. Got my got my Thomas Edison hat on there. I uh, see it. Okay, um, all right, back to me. I am going to go with 2022 Donovan Edwards here. The, the the one-handed Don, like what he did with one hand is what more than most people do with five. Just going to go ahead and put that out there. But this is really the pick, kind of why you pick the Haskins thing when uh, Donovan Edwards had the season thrust upon him in the final weeks of the season. What he did against Ohio State will never be forgotten. I mean, the team was averaging six yards a carry in the third quarter, and no one's going to forget the back-to-back 75 and 85-yard touchdowns. You and I were in disbelief when we were watching this together. Yeah, man. And he may not be the best every down back, but he is the best change of pace back that we've had. He's more just offensive weapon. I can't wait to see how they use him this year. And great one to get because honestly, he holds two of my top seven big or uh, Michigan running back spots here um, with 21 and 22. So you took him 22, correct? Yeah, 22. Okay. Yeah. But either one, good pick. I mean, he's just as explosive as a sophomore as he was as a freshman. So I really like that. That gives you Corum and Edwards in your backfield. You're, you're pretty well set there, I would say. So no need for me to go with a running back there. There's a pretty big drop off. I don't see you going back to that well, but I better go ahead and get myself somebody on my offensive line. Um, give me a moment here. I am going to take 2022 Trevor Keegan. Oh, I love this. It's not even, I don't even have it. I have it down late, but I love this early. Give it to me. Uh, the reason being, if you go back and watch 15, 16, 17, 18, like I already got the good guard from 17, 18, 19 run. He's already on my team. There's not really a, like a ton of other guys there. Like if you want to get into the Kyle Kalises of the world, uh, I'm going to take Trevor Keegan here because of the drop off. I'm, I'm not saying there's definitely better players on the board here, but there's a drop. 
uh, and it, it becomes noticeable here soon at guard. So I'm taking him, and I love him. I love Keegan, all handsome team. <laughs> he is a handsome fella. He's good. I had uh, two other guys ahead of him though, but I love it. I'm a hu- you know I'm a huge Trevor Keegan fan. I really think my next jersey is going to be an offensive lineman, like as hard as I've been riding for that position lately. But no man, I love the pick. The Joker's back, and like you and I did make the rule we can't draft future, but. Tw- but 2023 Trevor Keegan could be the best of anybody on here. So like that kind of potential, I love that pick. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Breaking news, people. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpets by going to manscaped.com and using the code MNB20 for 20% off and free shipping. Look, I'm a man that knows the importance of a beard. The beard ties the face together like a good rug ties a room together. It's the unifying bridge between chin and scalp. I've yet to see a man's face made worse with a strong beard in my lifetime. And it's the only facial hair that will never go out of style. It's time to tame your mane because no one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped Pro Beard Kit. All starts with the Beard Hedger. Thing is a beast of fixing faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. There's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse, easier to damage than your hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replete those natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a beard who's brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap off the kit with the Beard Balm Pomade Shape Style Moisturize Tame Your Sculpted Look. Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code MNB20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. All right, coming back, we are, what are we, 10 picks deep into this bad boy? So we're going to keep on moving, keep building this thing out. Uh, number one pick, J.J. McCarthy. Number two pick, Nico Collins. Since then, been a run on uh, offensive linemen, wide receivers, all the best running backs off the board. Excited to see where you go, sir. It is your pick. All right, can do a lot here. I am, cool, man, I'm looking at certain places where I need to fill out, fill in, I am going to go with 2018 Karan Higdon. Good pick. Good pick. I mean, I think that season often get, I mean, gets for, like, forgotten about what he contributed to that season, becoming Michigan's first 1,000-yard rushing running back since Fitz Toussaint. 
really carried the team. He wore down against Ohio State just because the volume was way too much for what he was carrying on his shoulders. But I mean, just several games and performances. I thought about the 2017 season as well. I think he finished with 994 rushing yards at the top of my head, had the crazy game against Minnesota. He and Chris Evans both went nuts. But 2018, Karan Higdon, like for how diminutive he was in stature, was a true workhorse running back. He really was not as fast as Blake Corum, not as strong as Hassan Haskins, not the receiving threat that Donovan Edwards is, but just well-rounded, like could do a little bit of everything. We needed a guy like this too when he came around because Debian Smith the year before did a lot with very little, but was just not the athlete. So to get somebody that just had good vision and could work behind a solid offensive line, he was a huge part of our success. Uh, you currently have Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and Karan Higdon, sir, valuing the running backs. Good position to have because, I mean, I feel like after this, I was looking at the drop and I'm like, I like having uh, 2,000 yard running backs of the three that were available and then one that had a 200 yard game against Ohio State. I like it. All right. Well, then I better double up on a position if you're going to beat me at running backs. I better beat you at tight end and I better grab 2022 Scooney, baby. I, I love this pick. This pick had to happen, not just stats wise, but eye test wise. There's a bit of a drop. Uh, we're mentioning how it's been closed a little bit. Schoonmaker last season. So the Jake Butt year, uh, 546 yards, four touchdowns, All-American John Mackey Award winner, all Big Ten, all world, everything. But Schoonmaker <laughs> last year, 418 yards, three touchdowns, just one touchdown behind Butt and only 130 yards behind him or so. So like I said, the gap is closing. Schoonmaker's year last year was really impressive had to have it was a, a leadership guy culture guy and now i got two guys that like to block can catch for me i got touchdown targets out the wazoo because you took nico from me so i like it <laughs> i had to take nico man just like i just value so much what he's bringing to the team but oh, okay now i'm looking around i'm looking at what i'm gonna do next and I'm going to go a little, like, I really wanted to get my boy Ryan Hayes here. I wrote an awesome piece about him, if I do say so myself, chronicling what he meant to the team, captaining, you know, or leaving the offensive line at left tackle for two straight Joe Moore awards. But I'm going to go with the player that has the Michigan record for consecutive starts with 51 at tackle. I'm going to go with Mason Cole. There it is. We're wondering where he was going to get taken. Actually played better as a center than he did as a tackle, but there's a bit of a drop-off. And I was just telling you on re-watching those 15-16 seasons how much we needed him to be able to kick out to tackle. Like, we had to have that. There was nobody else there. The drop-off from him to the next guy was substantial. And he's just a warrior. He doesn't miss games. Like, at Michigan, he was there every day, in and out. You could put him literally at center or tackle. I can't think of another Michigan player that could do that. Those are dramatically different positions guard to center okay guard to tackle but center to tackle that's it's just unheard of great pickup 51 consecutive starts like it doesn't make any sense it's insane man it's absolutely <laughs> insane that is a that is a really good pickup by you so now you've got runyon and you've got mason cole as your tackles i like it Okay, well, I better go ahead and address my offensive line. You're starting to pull away on the tackles, um, but I know you can't take a tackle next time or anybody on the offensive line. So maybe I want to go ahead and grab Amara Darbo. Ooh, 2016. 
Yeah, let's go ahead and grab 2016 Amara Darbo here. Um, there's a little bit of a drop on the receivers. I mean, production-wise, Amara Darbo below chess in there, but really really well-rounded. Had the insane o, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. catch against BYU. Was able to make great catches, made him in big games. Super reliable. Give me an Amara Darbo. That's a great pick. I feel like it's forgotten about. Like, two seasons, just really consistent. He uh, quickly became... Uh, um, Wilton Spate's favorite target there. Seven touchdowns on the year. Had the uh, game winner against Wisconsin in a really tight contest where Kenny Allen couldn't make a kick to save his life. So just very important, especially at times the need in this one. Uh, I was surprised you went with him, though. There was another name I thought you'd go after there, but I, I do like that pick. He was very high on my board. Um, all right, coming back to me, I am going to go finally to tight end here, and I'm going to take... 2022 Colson Loveland. There it is. No, uh, no Ian Bunting. <laughs> you know, had that one in the back pocket. I was weighing a uh, uh, Sean McCune minutes as well. You know, looking around, uh, maybe some Tyrone Wheatley Jr. stock rising of late. But Colston Loveland, man, like especially at the end of the year, was just becoming like the Travis Kelsey of the Michigan offense. Like you could just throw it to him. You think of the touchdown catch against Purdue and between two defenders. You think of the huge touchdown against Ohio State for his first career one. Just, I mean, his. I mean, we have not been this excited about a tight end since Jake Butt. This is a good pick, similar to my Keegan pick. I expect this one to look better after next year. Like you look back on hindsight and it's all of a sudden like, oh my God, like back to back years, he was right around the Jake Butt numbers. I mean, he can catch those Jake Butt numbers. We just gave him four touchdowns. I mean, he can get five next year. I, I In fact, I'll predict he, he surpasses the Jake Butt touchdown total. So this is a good pick that I think is going to age really well. Um, you know, and you can gauge this however you want. We're going to throw it to the fans for a vote. But if you take just overall careers, yeah, Jake Button, Scoonmaker got him. But man, watch out for Loveland. Just watch mm -hmm. out. That's all I'm going to say, man. Really good pick. Um, all right. So I better go ahead and get a tackle as you have the best two already. And I don't want you to come back. So I better go ahead and grab 2019 Jalen Mayfield. I value Ryan Hayes a lot. Um, part of winning a lot more. But Jalen Mayfield, people do forget, was at one point projected to be the first tackle off the board. The year didn't go perfectly in 2019, but that doesn't take away from how dominant he was at times. And I think overall, a slightly better prospect than Ryan Hayes. It's close, though. I'll take Jalen Mayfield. I, I would have gone Hayes personally, but Jalen yeah. Mayfield, his 2019 is very underappreciated because again, kind of like the Nico Collins factor, like he came back, he did come back in 2020, but he just didn't, I mean, obviously everything went wrong. I mean, everything went wrong. So his stock kind of dropped, but in 2019, man, he had just dominant games. Uh, famously, he had the Notre Dame game where he took the guy and basically put him in the second row of the bleachers, blocked him all the way off the field. So when you have a signature moment blocking somebody as an offensive lineman, that says enough to your legacy and what you left behind you. I would agree. And just an athlete out there. So I want to get another athlete on my offensive line as you took the first two tackles off the board. You're up, sir. All right. Coming back to me. Uh, I need, I need to get back on the offensive line. You and I are just, I, I hate how similar we are. We're both like, we need to build the line. We need to work through this. It's like, it's a hundred percent true though. Run so, the uh, damn ball. Exactly. That I mean, built with my running backs, like I need to keep filling this thing out. So I'm going to go center. I'm going to go Cesar Ruiz. There it is. Yep. Um, I had him as my third center. I actually had Mason Cole as my second center. Where did you have that ranking? I had uh, Cesar Ruiz second. I had Mason Cole third. Um, actually, to be honest, I had Andrew Vastardis over Mason Cole. 
Wow, that's interesting. That I mean, like the most Cole. important position on the best offensive line in the country. I look, your argument is already built in. You don't have to push me on it. It's just Mason Cole. I think probably if you put him on either of these teams, does better, and they still win the Joe Moore Award. I think it was just uh, you know the circumstances surrounding. Don't you give that. me any nasty, vasty pushback. I'm not going to listen to it. Stop I'm not here. I'm, yeah. just I'm gonna call up Dr. Vistardis right now, get him on the horn, tell him to quit counting his money, and tell him to have a word with you. Man's in surgery right now. He's not taking your call. All I'm saying is you put Mason Cole there the last two years. We're still pretty awesome. That's all it's I'm saying. Pretty, it, I mean, there's definitely some plug and play guys who can make that argument for. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, all right. Here's where it gets interesting here. I, I mean, there's a, I need a receiver. I need running backs. You've taken the really obvious ones, so I can kind of get fun with some players here and ca- get somebody that I just want on my team, which I think I'll do. I think I will get weird, and I will take – ooh, I could do that, though. I always think, like, maybe he'll forget that person, but I'm I'm drafting against the literal encyclopedia of Michigan <laughs> football. There's no way he's forgotten anybody. <laughs> no, no, these I told you before, like when we were texting, I, was like, I could probably do most of this off the top of my head, but going against you, I need a strategy. Uh, I like your wide receiver. So let me go ahead and get 2022 Ronnie Bell. There it is. That was the one player I had above your Darbo pick, but you ended up getting them both anyway. I thought I could get him with how you had drafted. So yeah. um, Amara Darbo. I, I do think Ronnie Bell's probably better. The injury set him back a little bit. Like he's a big what could have been. I really feel like he was destined for a monster season last year. And just what he means to the team, sure-handed, not like a blazing athlete, but really confident. Him, DPJ, Amara Darbo, you could do worse. No, that's an excellent pick. I love that he had a big game against TCU in his last ever performance in the Maze and Blue. Got to have the undefeated season, had several big catches. So that's excellent, man. I mean, it's hard to find a Michigan player I've rooted for harder than Ronnie Bell with everything he endured during his tenure. So I absolutely love that pick. And in terms of drop-offs, I need to do this before I guess get really stuck with somebody. I'm going to go back to tight end to give me 2021 Eric All. There it is. Yeah. Then the drop off occurs. Yeah. Then you're going <laughs> to have to take McEwen. Actually, or Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry had a good year. It's still a big drop off. I was, I like, I was very aware it was coming and I could visualize the cliff. And I was like, oh man, if he goes Eric all here, it's going to get, it's going to look grim. Yeah. There was a possibility for that. Um, all right. So looking at my roster, I mean, I still have some starter positions to fill, but I know you're not going there. I know you're not going there. So I better go ahead and get back on the offensive line. I need another tackle. You already have your two tackles, but I could kind of screw you here. And I, and I do, I do enjoy screwing you. (laughs) You, you thank you. I have creative solutions for a good Jared screwing. (laughs) All right, go ahead and give me Ryan Hayes as my other tackle. There you go. You know, I'm not going to say anything bad about this one. No, no. And I like Mayfield and Hayes. I mean, having Runyon there, you clearly got the number one. But uh, I mean, it'd be very interesting. Who do you like at tackle Runyon and Cole or Mayfield Hayes? Like that's that's pretty tight. That's pretty tight to be this deep in the draft and, and get Ryan Hayes. I'm happy with it. No, excellent pick, man. I love Ryan Hayes. He always just led kind of with a quiet demeanor. Like he was never very demonstrative. Like he was just about his play. And again, he played the hardest position, the most important position on the offensive line in back-to-back Joe Moore award years. So that cannot be overvalued. Um, Okay, coming back to me, I am going to go with um, Mike Ambenu at guard. I need to fill out my offensive line. 
All, that was the player I was going to take for a screwing. Good pick. Well, I, I well my my I had a creative solution to that where I could have been like Carson Barnhart played guard and I could kick him in, but I was like, and you know with your tradition, like let's let's keep it going. But I knew you would th- think of something like that. You're like, I'll take this guy and really stick it to him. But I was Mike Onwa knew like he got better as a pro, but he was w- definitely above average at Michigan and is like you said the guard position has kind of lacked a little bit in this, a very steep drop-off after certain players. So had to pick him up. Otherwise, I was going to start plugging and playing some guys. Well, you just think there'd be more guard options with there being two on the field at any given time and now seven years of Harbaugh. Like, you'd think that there'd be more options, but there is quite a bit of drop-off there. Uh, Zinter, and Ke- Zinter, Keegan, Onwenu are my three closest-rated players that I had on offense. Like, I, it was really difficult to draw a distinction there. Do you value winning more? Do you value the Joe Moore awards? Onwenu is an athletic freak. Like, it doesn't make sense that he can move like he can. Uh, and he was a guy that we were on, too, in that draft. Like, that's one that we called. We're like, yeah, this guy's probably should go ahead of the sixth round where he ended up going. So that's a really good pick to be able to get him. Um, all right, let me get back here. And uh, it's between two players here. And I think I'm going to go with... <sighs> you better go ahead and give me 2020... Oh my God, do I want to do that? This is so tough. This is a really difficult one. Give me Chris Evans. Give me 2020 Chris Evans. 2020? Uh, Oh man. Terrible year. Terrible year, but I'm getting the best version of Chris Evans. Uh, And for this one, kind of just ignore the year. Like, don't worry about the stats because it was 2020. I'm just taking that year because it was the most senior version. But uh, as a junior in 2018, 423 yards on 18 carries, which is just cruising. Four touchdowns, 148 receiving yards. We just always said he was not used correctly. I think you put him into a modern offense. He's going to be used more like Donovan Edwards, and he's going to put up big numbers. So this is a bit of a weird one here. I I know I'm getting weird here but you got donnie edwards i need a a receiving threat out of the backfield i love you getting wonky with it i would have gone 16 or 17 because 16 he had the sauce on the florida state corner in the unfortunate bowl game loss uh 2017 his highest rushing year had the uh consecutive the 100 yard duo game against minnesota with karan higdon but again if you're picking chris evans i'm happy he was the next running back on my board captain america going with the most senior version of him is by no fault of yours. I mean, that is just a a great strategy, like massive, massively underused. One of the biggest, just what were you thinking? Like to so many people, how many offensive coordinators did he play for? You know, he had the Drevno years, Pep Hamilton years, Josh Gass. Nobody understood what he actually was. So a, a big swing and a miss on the Michigan coaching staff, but he had to be the next running back take. And I agree with you there. Sweet. All right. Okay. Coming back to me, I need, I need to, I'm going to get back on the wagon here. I'm, oh man, this one, this is tough. This this is the fun part of the draft though. Like looking around at certain people and where you're going to value them and what they're going to bring. I'm just vamping for time at this point. Um, I'm going with 2022 Cornelius Johnson at wide receiver. Ooh, all right. The apology tour continues. You could do worse. I like it. I, the biggest thing I value here, you know, uh, one of the best receivers on the team this year consistently proved us wrong. I mean, the numbers aren't going to just aren't going to blow you away, but it did bring in six touchdowns. And I just value the fact that he had his best game when the team needed it most. Like when the team is down and out on the road against Ohio State, back to back touchdowns. And 
Oh my God, that double move alone. Again, Cornelius Johnson, I'm so sorry for all the bad things I've ever said about you. That was nasty. You deserve to be on this list. So long as humans draw breath that were alive in 2022, Cornelius Johnson will not be forgotten. Like, just full stop. Once you do something like that against Ohio State, you enter legend status. And he's there. Like, you could, I don't care if you want to break down the rest of his games or his stats. What did he do when it mattered most? And you absolutely hit on that. Kind of surprised you didn't go with Maurice Ways there. I uh, thought Maurice Ways <laughs> might have been might have been an interesting pick. Drake or, yeah. Johnson. We heard about him. Eddie McDoom stock. Oh, man. I just rewatched 2015. McDoom is so fun. McDoom mim- minutes are a blast. But no, that's the <sighs> right call there. That's a really good one. All right. I better get back probably onto the offensive line. And let me take a very versatile player that I had this guy up there as well in the guards where it gets really hard to rank up, but go ahead and give me Graham Glasgow from 2015. I can move him all over the place. Um, really had a successful NFL career, extremely versatile team guy. Um, forgotten about for sure. Forgotten about type of guy. So go ahead and give me Graham played Glasgow. center in 2015. Didn't he? He did. So yeah, I get a center backup. I get a guard backup here. This is a good pickup. I think. That's good. No, I, I love you pulling him in there. Uh, very, very forgotten about. Like uh, the 2015 offensive line is a fun thing to kind of go back and study as a historical document. It's just like, oh yeah, he was there. This person sure. was there. Sure very, was. very, very fun team. Just kind of reinvigorated everybody. Okay, coming back out here. Oh, I'm looking at drop-offs. I'm looking at value. Ah, uh, It's time to do it. Give me Jake Rudock, 2015. I knew it. As soon as I took McCarthy, I'm like, well, I know who his quarterback is. Probably <laughs> like, you could have really screwed me because, I mean, th- th- we know who the next two are, but like, neither of us really want them. So it's like, you could have gotten our two favorites, but so I appreciate you letting him linger because we stand so hard for Jake Rudock and what he meant to just such an under talented team. Like he was incredible and he just got better all season. Like his final game against Florida, the only bowl win of the hardball era was just an air raid attack. Like he was just slinging the pill all over. And you just always think about like, what if he had another season? Like what could he, what, what, what is Jake Rudock on the 2016 team? And I'll tell you what it is. It's 12 and 0. We've, we've really kind of maintained that position for quite some time. I think Jake Rudock just from an, arm talent perspective, you're not going to like write home about it, but just leadership, uh, an adult in the room made the right plays improved as the year went along, uh, developed chemistry with some, you know, middle of the road receivers and a great tight end. But he meant so much to that team. He meant so much for us rebuilding the culture, rebuilding the program. I had him at my number two as well. Um, how big is the gap between JJ McCarthy, 2022 and Jake Rudock, 2015? Do you think I, I was about to ask you this exact same question. Like it's, it's, it, it, it wasn't that big, but I mean, the big. fact that the fact that uh, McCarthy beat the two big rivals, like he had to be number one, then a gap, then Rudolph. How big was your gap between two and three? I can't wait to get into that. I can't give you that yet. Once we draft our second quarterbacks, we'll discuss that. I definitely want to get okay. into that discussion with you because I'm still looking at that right now. Uh, there is one. <laughs> Let's just. <laughs> Let's just put it at that. Um, all right. So my offensive line's pretty well built out. You better go ahead and give me freshman year Zach Charbonnet, baby, as my third running back. Ooh, interesting. You went with him over 2016 Davion. 
I did. Uh, Davion Smith is awesome and can certainly run through contact, but I think you and I might be faster. <laughs> might be. Uh, yeah, Charbonnet was, it was such a weird year because like the first half, he was such a workhorse and a bull. And the second half, Haskins really took over and then kind of led into what he would become. Um, but man, Charbonnet, when he was on, man, like I believe he had 33 carries against Army in that OT slog of a victory, just really shouldered the team in that one. And when he would take over people, man, he would just take over games. Went for over 700 as a freshman. And while this is just a Michigan draft, I know how people vote. And the fact that Zach Charbonnet went on to have a great career at UCLA is going to go into the NFL. Like having him on this roster, people are going to look at that and be like, Haskins and Charbonnet. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it's it's a definitely a good balance to have there. Uh, I was surprised. I told you I went back and I looked at like uh, running back and certain positional performances against rivals, and Charbonnet was shockingly at the bottom in every category of Michigan running back. So that was a thing that like it kind of jumped out to me. Like he d- was definitely at Michigan in a bad time for that because you have right. the 2019 Michigan Ohio State, uh, those games, and then obviously 2020. But yeah, I really wish you could like would have been able to stick it out, but. No one wants to be running back three in 2021. I'm sorry, Zach. No, I get it. And uh, I also understand those numbers uh, against rivals. Not great, but Devion Smith wouldn't exactly lighten it up either. (laughs) No. And uh, again, uh, you and I were talking off air. Devion Smith against Iowa in 2016. Arrest my case. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, just not a dynamic running back. I love you, Devion. I'm sorry, but nah. Sorry. Uh, all right, coming back to me, uh, going back to the offensive line, I'm going to sure uh, up one of my tackle positions. I'm going to take um, Andrew Stuber. He was the, uh, the right tackle for last year. Very, very sturdy. Uh, Joe Moore award-winning group, six foot seven, a mountain of a man. So I had to get Stubes here. That's a good one. I, he was one that like uh, before we started this, I was like, I'm forgetting somebody. It was Stuber that I had forgotten. And I think he will kind of just be one of those guys that you forget was on that offensive line, had some injuries. So he like kind of bounced in and out of the lineup. But when he was in, he was awesome, man. That's a really good pickup. I like Stuber there. Um, he's got a Joe Moore award win under him. So can't hate on that. All right, um, man. So pickings are getting thin. Um, you haven't taken Andrew Vastardis, have you? No, he's available. I will take Andrew Vastardis here. Um, where I'm taking him, I guess he'll be tackle depth, guard depth. I'm just taking him on my offensive line in general. Um, absolute leader of men. Like, not the most That's... physically gifted guy. Leader of men. That's why I want him. Yeah, it's interior depth. His ass can't play tackle. But, like, what what he's bringing as a leader is, like, can't say enough good things. I love, I love how much you and I are valuing those Joe Moore awards because, again, when you're the best positional unit in the country, that means something. It means something to me, man. It means something to me. (laughs) All right, coming back to me, um, I am going to go back to the running back well. And this – this is going to be an interesting one. I think a lot of people have forgotten about certain uh, contributions. Not going mo ways. Don't get don't get your hopes up. Uh, numbers aren't there, but the flash and the importance is at receiver. I'm going 2021 Mikey Sainer still. Ooh, 
there's your boy finding a way to get him on offense. Now we can still take him next week on defense, right? I refuse Correct. to Correct. say, okay, yes, yes. thank God. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> so long as this doesn't like remove him from the safety discussion next week. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. That's a fun one. I mean, I know that's your boy. So just getting him here, that but might like, just be one for you kind of pick. It, it feels great. But like, also like the guys I was valuing, like there wasn't one other player. I was like really back and forth with him, but like you think about like the layout catch against Nebraska, the one handed one against Maryland, uh, the flea flicker catch against Ohio State. It just he was just important. And also, we talk about leader of men. That's what Mikey is. And we'll get into more of him and the defensive pod. He might be like the spokesman of this podcast. He just doesn't even know it. Uh, we're going to bring him in, but yeah, that is a great pickup. And I like what you touched on there. Just like made insanely difficult catches in really critical moments. Like when you needed to have him, Mike Sainer still could do it. He's five eleven, and he's a 50, 50 guy. So it is nice that you have Nico and Sainer still, you have two deep threat or a 50, 50 ball guys, you know, Mikey, maybe not your first option there, but to have two guys like that, when I took the top two tight ends, I think that helps balance it out for you. So that's a good pickup for you. Um, all right. Well, being as how there's drop-offs everywhere here, I'm going to go ahead and take another drop-off one. You better go ahead and give me 2021 Cade McNamara. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a drop-off here. We were just alluding to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's nobody at receiver that I'm looking at, like, gotta have him here. So that'll be my pick, Cade McNamara. I mean, Big Ten championship winner beat Ohio State, just stabilized the position after the Shea Patterson years. Was glad to have him. And uh, shame to see him go, but, you know, on to the next. You had to do it here. Like I was weighing my options. Uh, you, like, I, I was just thinking this. Like that was going to be my next pick. I was looking. And I was like, oh man, I feel like it. Feel like it's time to get him off the board because we'll get into our Patterson discussion in a moment. But again, you can't devalue Cade's winning ability and just the steady hand writing the ship. So I think that's tremendous pick. Okay, right, coming back to me. I am going to go. Going back to tight end, it's time to do it. I got to go with 2018 Zach Gentry. There's a big drop-off here. Zach Gentry's a guy that you and I, um, man, he's he's a, I have a tough relationship with Gentry just because of how things ended. But you look at the numbers, man, it's hard to deny what he did. Hang on, I've got him right here. Zach Gentry, 32 receptions, 514 yards, two touchdowns. 514 is more than Schoonmaker had last year. That's pretty impressive. Now, I'm pretty sure he had like a 70-yarder that accounted for a lot of that. But nonetheless, I mean, he was he was a threat. Yeah, he had like a 100-yard a a receiving performance, and I think he's the only Michigan tight end to do that since, but I might be wrong, but I believe it is. I think against Indiana in 17 or 18, he had like 112. You have to go to the game logs. But yeah, Gentry, man, just a massive, massive, like sky-high potential. Never really quite got there. Had the terrible Ohio State game that left a bad taste in all of our mouths. Like, could go up and down. Not bringing you too much as a blocker, but was a willing blocker, which is more than you can ask for from some people. But he, it's the receiving threat. That's why you take Zach Gentry. You want him out there. And there's a reason he's still stuck with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, look at the size of your receivers. You've got Nico or your pass catchers, excuse me, Nico Collins, Loveland, and Gentry. There's some big and Eric All. There's some big dudes out there. <laughs> some big men. A lot of a lot of a lot of meaty men bumping meat out there. <laughs> Wish you wouldn't have said that sentence, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wrestling thing. It's just, you know, don't go there. It's Valentine's day. I won't. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to go back to receiver, and I'm going to take, since we're taking controversial players, give me 17 Tariq Black, baby. This is... <laughs> Give me all talent, no locker room. I already got my locker room guys. They're going to keep them in check. I just need some talent here. And talent-wise, Tariq Black's a better receiver than Mikey Saner still. He just uh, has some baggage. <laughs> yeah, like he can't get on the field because he's such an ass. Like, yeah, I would say that's baggage. <laughs> Whatever, man. He's my fourth wide receiver. Dude can catch a pass. <laughs> Dude, I was kind of surprised you didn't go 2019. You get more of a more of a sample size, but uh, if you're just going off that 2017 Florida game, the Florida like, game, yeah, it was like, I mean, oh, it, it was there. I don't look too much into the years, to be honest. Um, like I took Chris Evans as a senior, so yeah, you can take senior Tariq Black, either one. That's fine. I'll take senior Tariq Black then. 2019 one before he went to Texas to not play. Yeah, I'll take 2019 Drake Black just to keep consistent with what I was doing. Take the oldest version of him. But yeah, just I, I want his talent. I want nothing to do with everything else he brings. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go uh, to my last pass catcher here before I just really get stuck with somebody I don't want and have to say good things about. So I'm going to go with um, a surprising one here. Somebody that really ended the season on a high note and could have sky high potential moving forward. That's 2022 Roman Wilson. Like 2021 has some more receiving, like better receiving yards numbers, but like the way he ended against TCU, the Roman Wilson touchdown streak to begin the year, like per touch was impressive. His dynamism as a route runner, he got better throughout the year doing the little things. And I really like his potential and ceiling for next year. I like that. That's a good pick as well. Um, I didn't know we were going that deep on pass catchers. So I need another one too, huh? I need another receiver. Yep, going, You need another receiver and another tight end. Jeez. Well, I did not go this deep on tight ends. So you better give me Sean McEwen. Um, I don't I don't know what year. Um, 18. Me, I, I would assume it's 18. Yeah. Give me 18 McEwen. I did, he didn't even make my list because I didn't know we were going this deep, but I'm going to take him. Here we go. Uh, this is not the most ringing endorsement of Sean McEwen, but. I'm taking him. Sean McHugh was an excellent blocker. I mean, that year, the, the 14 catches, 122 yards, it's not going to jump out at you. But what he did, he was just very timely. Like he was a safe, actually go with, go with 2019. That was, that was the last good year. 2019, he was just a very timely pass catcher. Like he was a safety blanket uh, blocker first and foremost. I used to jokingly call him stone hands at times, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> negative and positive, the way you can run block that way. But um, I'm really surprised how well he's stuck in the NFL. Yeah, that part is surprising. And at this point, I mean, he's my third tight end. I've got Button Schoonmaker there. McEwen's just depth. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good pass blocker as well. I mean, yeah, a good run blocker. He can do like, yeah. I, I think yeah. Sean McEwen is one of the players I've come back on the more I've watched like like old film because they you know that's what we do in the off season. And I'm just kind of like, you know, maybe it's a little little hard on this guy at certain times. So okay, I went there. I need. Need to finish out my offensive line here because you're not you can't take another quarterback's my last position. <laughs> Got something fun for that one. Uh, offensive line though, oh, there's a lot of good names here. Like I could go, I could use my reserves, Jawan Bushel Beatty. I could go Ben <laughs> Braden. I'm gonna go with a Joe Moore award-winning right tackle. I'm going with Carson Barnhart. There it is. That's probably the right pick here. I had him uh, above some guys that have already gone. It's just kind of the way the draft is gone. But another guy as well, that chance to improve. So this could look 
really good moving forward. Absolutely huge. Out of Pawpaw, Michigan, baby. Yeah. Tough as a $2 steak. I like Barnhart a lot, man. And, yeah. and, and his versatility to go up and down the line. You and I were talked last year. It was one of our really, like, one of our best discussions about, like, how his versatility was almost a detriment. Like, they needed to start Trente Jones because if a guard gets hurt, they could slide Barnhart in and it kept the collective ceiling higher amongst the group. So, just a very selfless player. I have big expectations for him this coming season. Yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, let's go ahead and give me, um, I will not go offensive line since you can't do that next time. Now with wide receivers, you, you don't need this is your last pick. Yeah, this, oh, yeah, yeah. This is my last pick. Um, so let me go ahead and go. Oh, I, then I guess I have to go offensive wide line. Receiver. Or no, wide receiver. No, I have to go. Oh, Eddie McDoom. Give me Eddie McDoom, baby. Jesus. 2015. Let's go. I'm just trying to have some fun at this point. Fill it out. Fun player. You forget the end arounds like he was actually pretty versatile. Could have been a player at Michigan if he stuck around and gave it a go. And uh, this is all of our vibes. This is a vibe pick, baby. 16 McDoom. That was his freshman year. That's um, 16 McDoom. Sorry. That's a tremendous pick. I am just like I was really afraid you were going to stick me with like 2021 Andrew. Oh, you wouldn't do it. You would just Peyton O'Leary would come out. <laughs> Peyton O'Leary hasn't taken many live snaps, and boy, I love the potential. Um, <laughs> oh, Eddie McDoom was one of our like favorite players. Like you and I, like we hadn't even met each other in sixteen, and we started doing the pod in seventeen. We're like, dude, McDoom, and we're like, yeah, I know he's incredible, and like just the the Doom chance, the the explosion he brought, like. He is what I want AJ Henning to become on those end rounds. One of the guys that's kind of like getting passed up a little bit as a receiver as Roman Wilson took the one against TCU. Ronnie had the end around against Iowa. Like it takes a very special player to be able to bring that kind of energy. And you knew when McDoom was in, he was taking it, but it was always electric. Yep, absolutely. And for that reason, I'm taking him. Just fun little moment there in Michigan history that's often forgotten. And uh, was one of my favorite parts about these rewatches was the doom moments. Like, got to give credit to the Michigan faithful. Like, they just came up with that on their own. It was just organic. Anytime there's an organic thing like that, I'm in. It was it was so much fun. And now the last pick is mine. Last pick of the draft. I know who it is. It's... God, why do you give me your toughest battles? <laughs> Got to take a quarterback here. Um, not been my, not been either of our favorite player, uh, Joe Milton. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Shea Patterson, two-year starter at Michigan, retired Mark D'Antonio. Let's not forget about that. Could really sling the ball around, put up really impressive stats in the Harbaugh era. Um, had some really bad fumbles against Ohio State, some down moments. Uh, people like to look at sports reference and act like he was Brett Favre, but we all really know it was just more kind of off-brand Jeff Garcia. But I need a backup quarterback. Give me 20 uh, – give me 2018. Give me revenge tour Shea Patterson. Yeah. That's the correct answer there. And that's where like choosing the year actually becomes fun is like with a quarterback because you can really value certain things. And I value 2018 over 2019 with a like by a long shot. So I'm going to go with that one as well. Good pick. I mean, not a good pick. You'd had to do it. The only other option there was grabbing Wilton Spate. And uh, this is the one that we wanted to talk about. And then we'll kind of run through all of our picks here. How big was the gap between Cade McNamara, Shea Patterson, Wilton Spate? It was the two year starter thing is big. You could say Wilton Spate was as well, but 17 got so derailed with him. Um, McNamara was number uh, above all, above those two with a bullet just because he won the Big Ten championship, beat Ohio State. Like, I'm not going to devalue that as many fun, petty shots. I take it, Cade now, uh, Iowa Hawkeye, Cade McNamara. 
Um, Shea Patterson's got to be too. 2016 was Wilton Spate had a good year, but I really felt like it was more of a product of what was around him. Like he didn't bring it down, but he didn't think he raised it that much. He played very, very serviceable. But like you and I, like going back and like watching those games, like he's fine. Like he makes a few really good throws that season, but it's never like you never feel like he's the guy like doing it. It's like, okay, who's going to come in and take the reins and do this? Like very good. And his collarbone injury, I mean, is a great sliding doors moment in Michigan lore. But like, no, there was a Cade McNamara drop, Shea Patterson drop, Wilton Spade. I don't know how big the drop between Patterson and Spade is. That's where I kind of am like, if you would have gone Spate here, I wouldn't have looked at you side eyed. Because when Spate was healthy, I do agree that he looked pretty good. And it looks like just aesthetic wise, the drop back, the way he planted his foot and that thing came off of his right arm. Like that's why he was getting those Ben Roethlisberger comps early on. Cause it's like, man, this guy's big. And there's a couple plays where they couldn't wrap him up and he still makes the play. So I get why some revisionist history is like, well, man, maybe this Wilton Spate thing. Uh, but he was not some sort of electric quarterback like when the play broke down that was pretty much the end of it unless he could stand in there and he he really only did that against lesser opponents you didn't see him standing in against the Michigan States and taking these brutal throws and shrugging off the defender and completing a pass but it's an interesting conversation like how you value those quarterbacks in those quarterback seasons it's so clear there's a drop off though it is the way that we ranked them and then however you view the drops that may be just how you value it and, and what you liked about that particular player. Now, do you have any guess for the order of years ranked? Like players from 2022 we took, 2018. What year do you think had the most players taken? 22. 22 is number one. We had 13 players selected of our 40. I would actually think that 18 is maybe second. 18 is fourth. Really? So 16, 15, give me 15 then. The order is 2022, 2019, we had eight players, 2021 with six, 2018 with four, a tie with 16 and 15 with three, 2017 had one, 2020 had one from your Chris Evans pick. One, one thing I thought about in this, I didn't end up doing it because if you were going to get Karan Higdon, it was my backup. I was going to take Jabril Peppers at running back. Oh, wow. That would have thrown me completely. I didn't even think about that. And you, that would have almost been cheating. We would have probably had to like throw in an can he be my third quarterback? My, can he be my third quarterback? Yeah, I was going to say, can I just take Jabril Peppers at every position because he could do it? <laughs> Fine with this kicker. Give me Peppers. Let's go. All right. You ready <laughs> to run through these rosters, sir? Yes, let's do it, man. All right. So at quarterback. Number one pick overall, I took J.J. McCarthy. You took Jake Rudock late, knowing that I probably wasn't going to try and steal that from you. Uh, on the offensive line, your tackles, you I would say you probably win here. I don't know how big the gap is because you get Runyon, and we both agree there's a gap. You get Runyon, Mason Cole, Stuber as your tackles. I get Jalen Mayfield, Ryan Hayes, Andrew Vastardis. Um, Andrew Vastardis, probably swap him out with one of my other guys. That would more easily um, slide over into tackle. But I, I like your top two, but Mayfield and Hayes could surprise some people, like especially if Hayes gets drafted and ends up, you know, having a successful NFL career. Uh, who do you got the tackles here? You, you think you take it slightly? Honestly, man, our offensive lines are almost a wash. Like I have everything listed here positionally, and it's just like such a give and take at each position. Like you could easily construct the argument. Like I could say, I have John Runyon Jr., first team all Big Ten. You're like, 
I have Ryan Hayes starting left tackle for back-to-back Joe Moore award winners. I have two All-Americans on my offensive line. This is why I think I get you overall on the offensive line. I have the Remington winner. I have Ben Bredesen, All-American. I think the gap between Bredesen and Zinter is large. That's where I think I get you. I think Bredesen was a good pickup for me. Surprised you went Suave. Uh, I like the pick, but I really thought you'd go Ben Bredesen with your number one pick. I really did because I think that's the biggest drop-off, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I thought I thought there was a drop. I think I, you valued it a little bigger than I did. I think I, I just when I rewatched 2019 and I watched Nico Collins, I saw that drop so dramatically. And plus, I just kind of want to just like slip one into your liver real quick and just be like, oh, 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 we're going like that because you and I talk. I said it's probably gonna go chalk. It's like, oh, it's never going chalk when we're here. No, you're right. And you also know how much I love Nico Collins. Exactly. So there had to have, there had to have been a little bit of a prison shiv to try. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the guards, you went Zach Zinter. Uh, I think he was the eighth overall pick. Mike Onwenu, Carson Barnhart. I went Ben Bredesen, Trevor Keegan, Graham Glasgow. Those are all really good players there. Um, after the first pick, things really kind of level out there. It's hard to pick uh, who's the best there. I had Olu as my center. You had Cesar Ruiz as your center. Raheem Anderson, not drafted. Uh, <laughs> tight ends. Uh, I definitely get you in tight end. Here's one where I think uh, I win, but this gap could close, which is why I like the way that you did it. Like I get the overall seasons because I have Jake Butt, All-American, Luke Schoonmaker, All-Big Ten. Um, I get you in yards and touchdowns there, but you get Loveland, Eric All, Zach Gentry. Uh, Zach, uh, Sean McEwen is my third tight end there, so that's an interesting one. Let's see how this one looks after a year, but right now I would say I got you there. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. the Schoonmaker 2022, even though he got hurt at the end of the year, was so big. Uh, Eric All 2021, I'm still, I would have taken that over Schoonies 22 just because of the Penn State game, because of the Ohio State game. He was just an incremental blocker in what he did. Like, although, I mean, he's, you know, a turncoat. Like, you know, on the rest of that, like the 2021 season uh, led me to buy an Eric All jersey. So, you know, I stand hard. I get it. Um, you know, I was maybe playing to the vibes here, and I'm not taking that guy for vibes. It was too early for vibes. You're going to so. take Tariq Black. <laughs> With like my last pick. <laughs> early on, you're taking the turncoat Eric All. It's Benedict All. Yeah, Benedict McNamara. Look, man, he's my, he's my backup. What do you want from me? <laughs> You got you got Eric all starting out there. That's your second tight end, sir. Um, oh, all right, moving yeah. moving to wide receivers. This is where you really surprised me. Taking Nico Collins first. You took Jehu Chesson early on as well. So you valued the wide receivers early on in your draft. You rounded out with Cornelius Johnson, Mikey Sainer, still Roman Wilson. Really fun group of pass catchers there. I went Donovan Peoples Jones with my first wide receiver pick. Amara Darbo second. Ronnie Bell, Tariq Black, and Eddie McDoom to round it out. Uh, weird, weird vibe. <laughs> going on with my with my pass catcher room like you've got all this like positive energy with eddie mcdoom and then just this the black cloud of Tariq black just i guess looming. they kind of cancel each other out then you know ronnie right. bell you have him good leader you know can hopefully negate some of that he struggled to do so when they were on the same team together but hopefully mcdoom those vibes uh DPJ, you know, uh, kind of a mixed bag at times as well. You definitely have some divas in the room, but DPJ, the 2018 season was strong, strong pick. What I like about yours is having Nico Collins and Jehu Chesson, those feel like number one receivers. They were for sure the number one 
I technically have a number one receiver with 22 Ronnie Bell, but it was close between him and Cornelius Johnson. You know, you have two number one bona fides. I do not. I have a lot of role player guys. So mine may be a little bit more athletic. Yours, I trust a little bit more. So you got me in receivers right now. Um, and what I probably should have done was taken Roman Wilson so that it could look better because Tariq Black's not going to age well. <laughs> It doesn't age at all. And then I just love at the end to overcome that pick and the vibes. You're like, Eddie McDoom. Let's go. I'm not even mad about the McDoom pick. Like the black, the Tariq Black one, I'm realizing now, like, this isn't going to age well. <laughs> Might as well just go with 2017 Grant Perry. Oh, awesome. We'll, we'll touch really- that one. Yeah, no, let, let's go ahead and leave those vibes alone. Uh, at quarterback, though, I get you pretty handedly, and this may yeah. be where things separate here because I get J.J. McCarthy as well as Kate McNamara from 2021, the only two quarterbacks to beat Ohio State in a long time. Uh, you get Jake Rudock and Shea Patterson there. Um, I don't know. What, what do you want to say about this particular differences here? J.J. McCarthy just weighs down everything. Like, you have the two Big Ten winning quarterbacks. You have, I mean, their, their record together is 25-3. and three, So, you know, not bad. Uh, like, it was a runaway, and that is half the reason why I had to go running back heavy in this draft. Yeah, and, you know, it'll work out because next week we're going to do defense, so I already know who you're getting. You know, there's another guy on defense that kind of is in that similar mold of J.J. Might McCarthy. have been a Heisman finalist, maybe. I don't know. I already know where it's going, so there's no point. Like, I'm not, like, telling you something you didn't know. Like, hang on. Yeah, Jared's got a good point there. I better go ahead and change up my draft board. Now, I already know. in my back pocket. <laughs> I mean, I literally knew how this was going to go. Whoever gets first pick this week, you know, the other player, other person gets that player. So it'll it'll maybe work out a little bit. But yeah, having J.J. McCarthy, I think, is probably the biggest gap here. Uh, running backs, though, you did awesome with your running backs. You got Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Karan Higdon. I got Hassan Haskins, Chris Evans, and Zach Charbonnet. I mean, look, those are both really good running back rooms. But I, I think I value Corum Edwards combination a little bit higher than I value Haskins Evans, but it is close. It's it's close. You know, Charbonnet averaging 13 rushing yards against Michigan State and Ohio State in three appearances definitely took him off my board. <laughs> also a turncoat. So there you go. Enjoy that locker room. Eh, less of a turncoat. Less of a, he just got he just got moved down the draft board. I don't hate you for that. Hmm. Mm. Mm, had right. some questionable things to say in the media, but still, we'll leave it alone. No, I, I, I value the, the mean. I have 2,000-yard running backs here of the three. I have Donovan Edwards, who was very, very close this past season. He has a 200-yard Ohio State performance. So I feel like my running back room it just helps kind of mitigate what I lost in the quarterback room. Yeah, and I think that that was a smart move by you to be like, all right, I lost quarterback. I better have really good wide receivers and really good running backs. So that was a strong draft strategy. I think I have the slightly better offensive line because I really value Bredesen and Olu with Timmy. I think that that was probably my best two picks. Uh, your best picks I've got as uh, Blake Corum and I don't know. Who was your next best pick? Oh, Runyon? probably either Runyon or Zinter. Probably yeah, Zinter, to be Zinter. honest. When I got Zinter, yeah. it was really key. Yeah, if you would have let me get Bredesen and Zinter, that's then the drop off is really noticeable at guard. Yeah, yeah. So it, it would have hurt the offensive line talent just as a whole, not just like guard or positionally like that is massive. Like that was such a fun getting into the intricacies of the picks because like there's a lot of good tackle depth. Trente Jones was left on the board was the original starting tackle this season. You could have gotten wonky. And gone with like Giovanni El Hadi, who stepped in serviceably. You could have taken Reese Atterbury, stepped in 2021, and just gone crazy with it. 
there's just a lot of good names out there in that room. Like the drop off of my tackles, like it took a lot longer to get down to it. Yeah. And we haven't really had an elite tackle. I mean, Jalen Mayfield has been the highest drafted, but that doesn't necessarily make him elite. You know what I'm saying? I think you and I very clearly valued Runyon over Mayfield, despite how NFL circles saw him. John Runyon was just, you know, that's, that's our guy right there. So this was, this was a lot of fun, man. And we're going to put, we're going to put this up, put this to a vote. Uh, We're doing defense next week. So I don't know. Do you want to maybe wait until we get it all out there? Or do you want to do it week by week? Oh, we can do it week by week. I mean, we see see where it lands. Uh, this is just so much fun. You and I had a blast doing this, like uh, re- revisiting all the old players and who you value and what you're talking about. And like, I love that our biggest weighing factor is eye test. Like you could tell me Shea Patterson threw for X amount of yards, but I watched every single minute of his Michigan career. And I know the ups and downs. I know the third quarter struggles against Middle Tennessee State. You know, I remember this kind of stuff. And it's like, that just sticks with me. Like the lasting taste, what kind of like what taste did you leave in my mouth when you left Michigan? Like that's why Gentry falls down and why we value certain players. And like, although Cade McNamara is a turncoat, we still give him his props. Two things that I took away from this as well. Surprising lack of depth at wide receiver, considering how well we've recruited wide receiver year in and year out. Like the fact that it's Nico Donovan Peoples Jones. And then you're like, I'm not getting a star. I'm getting a role player. Like there's really two guys that even fall into that star category. Maybe one. Maybe it's just Nico and Donovan Peoples-Jones is a is a shade below that, but they're kind of in that same realm. And then the other thing is lack of a dominant tackle, like good tackles, no doubt about it, really good tackles that have come through Michigan during this run, but nobody look at like Taylor Lewan or Jake, uh, Jake Long. No, nobody in that vein. Um, Ryan Hayes has to be the one you'd go to next just because of the Joe Moore awards playing left tackle at his size. Well, you need playing right tackle in the NFL more than likely. But again, yeah, the talent definitely drops off. Like you can see it like when you see recruiting rankings from teams in the playoff, like where Michigan falls short. And sometimes that talent gap catches up to them when they're really evenly matched with an opponent, except against Ohio State. Right. And then the last thing I noticed is the rising quality of tight ends. This is not just a a, like a thought of a trend. This is going to continue to be a trend. You can see it ticking upwards with each and every year. I mean, getting that out of Zach Gentry and Sean McEwen, guys that were both drafted in this guys that I mean, Zach Gentry didn't even start as a tight end. Sean McEwen was low on that depth chart. So tight ends is the other thing that stood out to me. Like this is going to continue to get really, really good. You're going to have production from this position. I feel very confident about that it was four tight ends i felt really good about like it was yeah. but it was all scooney and colston loveland like loveland's emergence really took this thing over the top because you just felt good about any of those selections yeah receiver room was uh, it's very interesting because coming into this year it's kind of it's one of those who's going to rise up because cj shown flashes roman shown flashes i'm honestly more encouraged about those two than i was last year uh, losing Ronnie Bell obviously hurts. Like, who's going to be the number one? Darius Clemens is first team all body. But can he figure it out on the field? Because Tyler Morris might already move over him. Amarion Walker's out of the mix now, a full time CB. So it opens up some space. Maybe it's Carmelo English, a freshman we haven't even seen yet. So a lot of answers coming because I think Michigan's passing offense will take a step forward in McCarthy's second year as a starter.
We saw how it worked for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, with being your tight end as your number one weapon with Travis Kelsey, like if Michigan operates that way and he's your true number one guy and then the receivers kind of fill in the rest like that, it can win a Super Bowl. We did a great job of making sure we got like uh, the top one or two guys at each position moving around. Like after you took McCarthy, you knew there was going to be a long wait on quarterbacks because you didn't want to waste a pick there just trying to screw me over when you needed to fill something else in. So like we need to fill out the line. You and I kept coming back to that like every other selection. You need to fill out the receiver room. So it was very fun to like watch the balance going back and forth in the draft. Trevor Keegan, that one uh, really jumped out to me, the 2022 Keegan pick, which I, I love. I mean, number 77, I mean, not enough good things. I mean, too many good things to say, honestly. And like, you you did to me what I did to you. You took a guy that both of us are very high on, and we were surprised you did it when you did it. Yep. Yeah. Man, it'd be so fun if I just like go full, like implement my screw Jared strategy and I go like Jordan Lewis, Devin Bush, one, three. <laughs> it's just, it's going to be a fun discussion because there are a lot of drop-offs on the defense and there's a lot thinner position group. So it's going to be a fun discussion, man. And then we can talk about how the defense would match up against the offense and everything else. Uh, that's going to do it for us here. This was a lot of fun, man. Uh, join us next week. We're going to come back. We're going to do the defense, which could be even more interesting. Things get super, super saucy on the defensive side of things, so it might be even more controversial than this. But we will put up uh, our draft results into the body of this. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.